Welcome back to another podcast episode. If you've not been listening to these, this is the first video version of it. And I'm going to probably do more of these visual, uh, and we're going to try to do them uh, consistently again, would be the, the term I would use to describe the inconsistency that's been happening over the last few weeks, because I've been busy, and I'm going on vacation in another week for a couple weeks, and that'll be, unfortunately, probably another dip in, in episodes, so... That said, uh, I have been writing down literally all of the articles that I wanted to talk about that I missed with notes. And normally we do these with notes, but we're going to actually have, uh, well, we have, we have a lot more articles than normal because it turns out when you don't film any of these uh, articles pile up. I still want to talk about a lot of this stuff because I've managed to mostly pick articles that aren't super timely fashion news. So that's a good thing, I think. But to get started with today's episode, we are jumping all the way back probably to early February because I think it's been a couple weeks. So, or not early February, but late February, early March. My first article is from Ars Technica and is about the adaptive head beams that the NHTSA is finally approving here in the US. It's been available in, you know, most of the world, Europe, Japan, all over the place, basically allowing your car to use a matrix of projectors to adapt the head beam instead of just like going from high to low. It could just stay on high when you want high on and basically block out the high parts that would be going towards an oncoming vehicle. So this is super cool technology. It's been around for like two decades. And finally, we are allowing this to come to the US. So thank God, because I don't know about anyone else, but my adaptive head beams half the time just shut off when there's like 30 like 30 signs on the corner of a road. My adaptive head beams will just go to low beams. No car, just go to low beams. Maybe the matrix projector would, would still mess up and do that, but if it's only blocking out where that oncoming car is, that's a lot different than all of the light going down closer to you. Especially if you live in an area with a lot of deer, like here in Texas or originally where I'm from, Minnesota. Both those places could really, really use head beams like this. So great to see that we're, you know, two decades late, but making the progress. Always good to see the progress being made. Next up, we have Valve's Steam Deck, and they have released the CAD files for the external shell uh, under the Creative Commons license. So anyone will be able to 3D print these make cases for these, uh, you name it, design your own shell, print it off. You know how the inside of it's supposed to form at the end of the day. Make your own hands, uh, grippy holder thingies if you want to, because you'll, you'll just know the spec. You'll be able to print that, It'd be sweet, because the 3D community will for sure make tons of cases and grips and whatever else you could possibly want for your Steam Deck. They'll definitely be making all of that stuff for you to enjoy. And that's that's kind of it for that. It's sweet that uh, that the, there is a company out there that is, you know, releasing CAD files of this stuff. As minor as it sounds, not a ton of companies do it, and it's huge for markets to rise. I and mean, this is how other companies get started. As a bigger company, you know, leaves a gap for some smaller company to come in and make stuff, or people can fix it on their own, and that just adds longevity to a product. So that's. It's great that Valve is going that way. At least at the moment they're going that way. And hopefully they stay that way. Next up, we have a, uh, this was a, this is a concept. 
design. And I, I actually am not sure if it comes from Google themselves or from just some random guy, but it's a Google fan smart hub. And by the, by the concepts I saw drawn up, it looked like Google's kind of design because it's their kind of color scheme because they had multiple colors for the fan. But the idea would be you could have a smart speaker in it, a light, a thermostat, you know, a smoke detector, and colorful and install it anywhere, Google Home in every room that you have a fan without any other devices added up. And this is something that actually could be super cool depending on how much power it ends up drawing at the end of the day. Because if you're putting it in an older house, is there enough power ran there to run more than just the fan if you put all of this other stuff in there? And the other thing I kind of am wondering is, would the sound get muffled coming out of it because it's right next to fan blades? I'm not smart enough to know, but if it, if it would, that would be extremely frustrating. But if it doesn't, the potential to have something that you're already going to have up there anyways, you can get colors for it. It can be more of a, can be more customizable in terms of colors and stuff like that for rooms from black to white to there was a blue, a green and a pink as well. And you're, if you're already putting a fan in a room, why not also have the smart speaker in there? Get rid of anything else that could be on the ceiling, like thermostats or smoke detectors, CO2 detector, you know, you name it, could be up there and just, or gas, gas, I guess is what I was thinking, not CO2. You could have it all up there. All in one, all smart home hooked up. You could also put Wi-Fi access points in there. So your mesh network could be throughout the area and just easy to, easy to set up. It's all in one spot, done, forget it, all set. So. Not real yet, but if that ever becomes real, that will be a banger of a product. That'll be just sweet to see, especially if Google does it or some other big company first and then a startup comes through and is like, we can do this way better at the same price. We all know Google only has like five, six years before they mess up a product. So someone else comes in and just like scoops that up anyways, who really cares? It's probably better if they do that. Next article I have here is the Tesla Model Y and this is at Giga Texas. Uh, the first batch, dozen batches of these were being spotted, pr actually produced and like sitting in the lot. They were waiting on EPA approval from the Giga Texas factory before they could start delivering those vehicles, which I believe they have now, I think, from when I originally picked this article. Uh, but anyways, dozens of them ready. They're the new cells and the structural battery design. So this is the first like rollout of that, which will be really cool to see how well those cars actually perform and work and you know what are the real gains that they ended up with at the end of the day. And we'll know soon enough if they get the EPA approval. Now that I think about it, I don't think they have yet, but I know it's coming. That's all I had about the Model Y. That was just a quick one. I think I do have more about Tesla later on here. And that is coming because yeah. But I do have my next article is about the Rivian and the brand Rivian has been exciting for me to watch because I feel like it's the first real competitor to Tesla we could see. They're making, they're messing up quite a bit, but they're, they're working on it. They're making progress. It's mess up, mess up, do a little bit right, go back on a few mess ups, fix it. But they're, they're new. They're, they're getting there. It's not like Tesla hasn't made mistakes. Just people idolize Elon. The article I have on Rivian is that it's on their security system. So they have a security system. I can't even remember what they're calling it. I think they're calling it gear guard or something like that. But ideally, in, not ideally, what it will have is it'll have five cameras 
and it'll work just like Tesla's security Sentry or Sentry or whatever Sentry mode or whatever it's called. Um, uh, it'll record onboard to internal storage. It'll show this little Yeti guy holding a film camera on the screen instead of the Wally red yacht steering wheel thing that Tesla shows. And it will be just basically like that. It'll come with all models, uh, standard. It'll be. It also have an integrated ceiling bike lock. It just. It's interesting seeing these electric car startups and electric cars all of a sudden coming with so many new features when like a few years ago, the only thing that like trucks were really adding was like, guess what, our tailgate, you can open it 15 different ways. You didn't see that coming, did you? Our tailgate, you can not only fold it here, but you can fold it here and here and here, and it opens this way, and it opens back this way, and it opens down, and it opens up, and it's like, that was the feature ad for one year, and then these electric cars come along and are like, hey, guess what? Behind the back seat, you'll be able to buy this entire like camp setup that'll pull out a stove, a sink, blah, 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 or you don't want that this weekend, pull that out, stick your surfboards in there. Just, they're adding like actual shit that people would want to use. Versus, I don't know how many people care if their tailgate opens 12 different ways and also has a little pull-out shelf for your laptop because you work on the back of your tailgate like that. Just, it's great seeing actual innovation coming to vehicles, not just like these weird innovations that like you kind of care about, but it's not really a big deal. It's, it's just, it's cool seeing stuff like that. Like cars adding the electric compressors for you know, to pump up tires or whatever else you need to pump up for air guns, whatever you're using it for. It's just, it's like the auto industry could have been doing this stuff. It would have been more to add it because they weren't electric, but they could have been doing it. And it's great to see that there's companies actually doing this stuff. And it comes standard with a lot of the vehicles. Next up, we have should Google kill Stadia? And this is, this is exactly the Google thing I was just mentioning earlier on, where Stadia, since Google's launched it, hasn't scaled like they wanted it to. It's only in 22 countries, and you would think that Google would be way better at this, being a cloud computing company that runs YouTube, that runs Google Search, except, you know, all these different cloud-based platforms. You think Google would have the best shot at making something great. And yet, it seems like Google has next to no clue what they're doing compared to other companies. Which is Google, that's Google's way of doing things. They innovate, they're the first to do something, or close to the first. They do it better than everyone else at the moment, but they're like three, four, five years too early. And then like year three or four, when everyone else starts picking up on it, Google's like, eh, didn't really work out for us, I guess. Quits, and then like three or four years later, it'll boom, and then Google will be like, oh, I guess we should have done something like that. And then they'll just like, be like yeah, you know what, the Nexus line, dead. That phone line sucked. I don't know why you guys liked it so much. And then a few years later, they're like, oh, crap. We missed an opportunity. Pixel lineup. Pixel lineup. Great. Phone one, phone two, phone three is pretty good. It's starting to go down a little bit, but not like we haven't tanked it yet. Pixel four, five, it just... That's, that's just Google. That's just how Google does product making. They nail certain things and goes great and then consumer products it's like we made a few good years of products we don't know what to do 
we're shooting ourselves in the foot. It's just, it's, it's Google being Google. I'm sure Google will kill Stadia in a few years and then cloud gaming will become big because some breakthrough or some company will figure out how to actually stream the game very fast, faster than we do right now. And then Google will just be sitting there like, wow, we, uh, we Googled it. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. And that's just, that's the way Google operates, unfortunately, because they make plenty of great products and then they throw away plenty of great products. And that's, that's really just, if you want to run a major company, that's what you do. You lead the way for smaller companies to do it better and then throw yours aside or buy the small companies and ruin them. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Next up, we have just a Tesla Model 3 range loss at 100,000 miles. So over the 100K miles, this guy only saw about 2.2 battery degradation, degradation, battery loss. We're going with battery loss because I can't speak. It's about four years old. It's the long range. Uh, it had an estimated 310 miles new, which is now 303. And just again, will the new 4680 cells be better than the 18650s? Be cool to see this. Obviously, this is like. 100k miles, we're probably a few years away at least from seeing a car with that to be able to actually compare apples to apples. And this is a Model 3, not even a Model Y. But it's impressive that over 100k miles where a car reaches that, obviously you probably don't lose, it's probably not as bad, but are your expenses a lot better? And is the battery dead regression? Hey Siri, stop. Okay, that, I don't even know if you guys could hear that, but that was just some utter, utter disaster. I don't know why I thought I could ask that question, I guess, either. That was, that whole situation was absolutely garbage. I'm excited to see what this new battery technology is, as Tesla is kind of leading the front on battery tech, especially when it comes to electric cars, so. Excitement. Next up, we have uh, this basically is rumored reports that Joe Rogan's deal with Spotify instead of being 100 million was actually 200 million, which is obviously quite a bit more as it is double. And uh, this is supposedly for three and a half years. If, if that, if this is true, I mean, who knows because this is all rumors and this is literally double the original rumors. So there's no way to really know, but even if you got a hundred million, just, Insane to see an independent creator get that much. Obviously, he's the biggest show. Millions and millions of downloads every month. But if someone like that can do it, it just opens the world of possibilities for other creators. And that's just a deal with Spotify. Who knows if he's getting paid for ads and stuff like that. Even to exclusively post. I mean, maybe he's still getting part of the ad revenue cut too. I mean, that's just... I don't know if there's ever really been a creator deal signed that was worth so much more. I mean, this is, it's wildly incredible. And again, independent media is really just making its way. It's really going for it. So it's, it's awesome that we can see that. Speaking of uh, a lot of Tesla battery things, Cummins has decided to not worry about electric things yet and released an engine uh, a fuel agnostic engine that can run on any type of fuel as long as you switch out the head gasket. Basically anything above the head gasket has to go for this to run on a different type of fuel. 
but it can be used with natural gas, hydrogen, diesel, gas, you know, you name it. And it's, it's cleaner to build a bunch of engines basically the same way like this that can run in any fuel type or even be cleaned later on and switched out to hydrogen or something similar. So it's awesome to see that we're not just making headway on battery tech as someone who doesn't necessarily can't buy an electric car because I drive so much throughout the day and don't have time to actually sit and charge. Even if every day, I don't want to sit and charge for 40, 40 minutes, an hour to get the battery back to full just so I know I have enough range for the next day. And even some days I drive farther than an electric car could actually get me. So that is just, it's great to see that we're working on other forms of clean or more viable energy that's not just like, hey, guess what? Electric vehicles, that's all you can buy. Glad that we're, we're making headway somewhere else. At least someone's trying to. We're making progress somehow. And that is just sweet. Uh, obviously, electric battery and battery tech is going to be the way of the future. But for now, we need some stuff to, for transition period. And it's great to see that we are working on that. Especially because even once consumers get trans, even once average consumers, the average person gets their, you know, transition over to their electric car done. There's a lot of giant vehicles that are going to take longer to switch over or construction vehicles that just can't necessarily be switched right now because you need so much, so much bigger batteries for those things and you can't sit and charge every day for a construction site like that. It's just not at the moment. It's not economically viable. So glad that we're working on maybe some alternatives that could help start or assist the transition at least for now. Waymo has decided to uh, test their autonomous vehicles in Texas. They're partnered with a company called CH Robertson. Uh, they're basically doing about a 240 mile route in Dallas, Fort Worth to uh, Houston. Um, CH Robertson is a Minnesota based company with a market cap of 11.68 billion and is a freight brokerage company that makes about 20 million deliveries a year. Uh, this is something that as we make a transition to AI, where if you just had a re repetitive route where you could basically get it down, know exactly the route, you can really map out one spot really well while training your system to deal with like oddballs, right? Because if you have a repetitive route that say, you know that the route you're going to be taking is not going to have road construction for a while, at least. So it's going to be exactly the same. It's going to work exactly the same every time. When you have to stop might be different with stoplights, but other than that, you're doing the same route, right? So you can train your autonomy system to get good with oddball situations very easily, which is kind of what Tesla is doing on a gigantic scale with each car. And that's how Tesla kind of trains their autopilot. This will just be a very controlled, very limited area version of that. And it's, it's just cool to see other companies putting AI driving at the forefront. Obviously, Waymo's been around for a while doing this stuff in California. Now they're just getting a new spot in Texas to be doing this. And it'll be interesting to see what becomes of this, if there's any accidents, you know, where this goes, where's this go for, for our buddies at Waymo. After Waymo, we have our buddy, Tim Cook. And Tim Cook was supposed to receive about $100 million in compensation pay for 2021. Uh, he has a $3 million annual salary and was supposed to receive about $82.3 million in stock rewards. 
And then between other uh, compensations, he gets stock rewards and salary. He's about to make $100 million for 2021. Now, this would have been the first stock reward since Steve Jobs has passed. And Apple is basically, the rest of the board is basically fighting not wanting to pay Tim Cook this money, which is kind of funny. Uh, honestly, I'm shocked, I guess, that Tim Cook only pulls in $3 million of annual salary with how much Apple makes. I, I don't know. Obviously, that's way more money than you probably really need. But you, I guess in my head, I think like Amazon makes a ton of money. Apple's right up there. Jeff Bezos has a lot of money. Tim Cook doesn't have relatively the same amount of money. So I don't know. And $100 million doesn't seem that bad for Tim Cook to be taking. I mean, dude's been like head of Apple for quite a while, deserves something. It's mind-boggling to me that this is something that Apple's decided that can't happen. And speaking of things that uh, can't or maybe shouldn't be happening, uh, Minecraft is coming to VR for the Quest 1 and 2, as in the headsets that don't require a PC to run them, the standalone headsets. Now, it's an unofficial port, but it's Minecraft 1.18. You'll be able to use existing worlds and select fabric mods. It'll support motion control and cross-platform. It's absolutely wild that this is coming to a standalone headset. As someone who uses a Quest 2, and when the Quest 3 comes out, I am absolutely picking one up because it is an amazing deal for the headset I got. This, this is wild. It'd be awesome to see like an actual port from Mojang themselves, an official port and support, but obviously that's not here yet. It's cool to see the community is doing it, though, and it'd be awesome to see other games doing this, especially after seeing that Apex Legends is coming mobile, Fortnite is mobile. I don't see why those games couldn't uh, be, part of, be part of the VR world especially on these standalone headsets that basically run on mobile processors anyways. Why not? I mean, there's no, there's no loss for these companies to do that. And it would be, I mean, Minecraft VR sounds honestly fucking amazing. Like I'm, I'm honestly like later today, I'm putting that on my headset. I'm going to play Minecraft VR and I might even boot up one of the worlds on my PC because I can. And that's, I mean, what more can you ask for as a, as a consumer? <laughs> that's, it's awesome to see Minecraft coming to VR on, a, like I said, a standalone device. So great to see them making that move. And speaking of great moves to make, Samsung is changing the default SMS app in the U.S. only to Google Messages instead of the Samsung Messages. It'll be fully integrated into One UI. It'll become standard. And they're still going to offer Samsung messages, but it'll not be like their main offering anymore. This is great because honestly, Samsung messages kind of sucks ass. And I Google messages is just better. I mean, there's just no other way to say that. Google messages is better and good job, Samsung. We're learning. Love to see you learning. And that's just, uh, that's, you can't ask for better than Samsung finally listening to consumers after many, many years. Speaking of consumers, these kind of, these, oh, these, bleh, can't do transitions like this. T- 
Tesla's GigaFest is going to happen on April 7th. Uh, tes Texas owners will be the first to get invites. And then after that, it'll branch out to other people. This could be the largest barbecue in Texas history. There will be tons of barbecue there. Uh, there will be tours just like Berlin had of the factory. And Berlin had 5K people there for COVID. I've heard rumors that this is going to be like 15,000 people. So quite a bit more people. And I wish I owned a Tesla so I could go. And unfortunately, I do not. But I would love to go and tour that factory at some point at least, whether it's not now or the next day. We're finally, we're getting, we're getting through the articles. We're like, we're like only five articles away now. And we're to the more recent ones. Anyways, so you're welcome. So this is on Kia. Kia hadn't, I don't even know if they had an event or what. I'm sure they had an event, I guess. I shouldn't say it. I don't know if they had an event. I'm sure they had an event. But their goal is to release seven electric vehicles by the year 2027. 20, they want to be selling 1.2 million by 2030 electric vehicles. They also kind of released, a, I guess, a concept car would be the best way to describe it, called the EV9 SUV. It looks like the Telluride, but way more futuristic and a lot boxier, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. Um, this EV9 will be the first Kia with over-the-air updates, and it will also include an auto mode, which is about level three-ish self-driving system, um, which basically allows, in certain situations, you to take your hands off the wheel and steer. Yeah, take your hands off the steering wheel and you don't necessarily have to be keeping your eyes on the road. So it's basically going to have just a slightly better adaptive cruise control. You should never take your hands off the wheel or eyes off the road yet. Cars are not to that point. Thank you, R5, for having a stupid-ass power off after 30 minutes because stupid EU taxes that aren't real anymore. So it'll be the first one with auto mode. Uh, like I said, you should never take your hands off the wheel, eyes off the wheel off the road, sorry, at any point. Cars are not to that point yet. That's just what level three autonomy is described as. But this is great. It's great seeing more cars coming to these over-the-air updates because things like my Mazda do not have that, and there are updates they definitely could do to fix some of the stupid issues it still has. Because it turns out a lot of cars come with software that is incomplete or has stupid bugs or loopholes or problems. So... It'd be great to see even gas cars start getting these over-the-air updates. Or at least when you get home, you can sign into Wi-Fi. Because there's not a chance in hell that there's not just a GPS or Wi-Fi chip in there anyways. So just freaking do it, man. It's not the end of the world. But whatever. Kia's doing it. Kia's doing it for their electric vehicles starting then. This is something that should have been in vehicles a long time ago. There was no reason not to. But it's, it's here. It's coming. It's now. We'll go with it. We'll go. We'll just be. We'll have to just be happy with that. Now we are actually really caught up because the Apple event, which I believe happened like a week ago now, but anyways, the M1 Ultra is the new chip, which, ironically enough, is literally two M1s that they're gluing together. It'll start at about three thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars, and that is for the basically glorified Mac Mini called the Mac Studio. It's two Mac Minis stacked on top of each other with two M1s glued together. And 
if you bought a Mac Pro, uh, and by that I mean top of the line Mac Pro, one that was over $50,000, uh, this chip's gonna be about 80% faster than that, so get fucked, loser. And you should have you should have bought a Mac Mini, I guess. Uh, you really, that's your fault. They also released a studio display. It's about a 5K display and it's about $1,600. It's pretty competitive with pretty much all their 5K displays. Uh, not super shocking. It's kind of right in line with LG's, I can't remember, fine art displays, I think is what they call them. It's pretty much right in line with all of those. They also released an iPad Air with the M1 chip. So, and I'm not shocked if we're gonna start seeing the M1 just put in all Apple devices other than the iPhone, which they released a green iPhone 13 and the iPhone SE. And the iPhone SE comes in at $429. So I'm guessing that'll be Apple's best-selling phone as they have finally updated it again. It'll probably sell out very fast and continue to. That's pretty much for them. The Apple release was not super overwhelming. Uh, obviously the two M1s put together is pretty lit. It's actually a beast of a machine and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a freaking powerhouse is what that's gonna be. But nothing, nothing like super unexpected happened. Nothing, we're kinda, we're kinda past the point of Apple releasing super exciting stuff anymore. The uh, M1 was kinda the exciting thing and now we're just kinda to normal for now. And that's just, that's the way tech goes. Next up, we have Polestar is uh, shown off a concept car. And the only reason this is in here is because uh, WTF to this feature. Uh, but it, it is the O2 sports car. It actually looks sick. Like for a concept car, it looks dope. I would actually buy one. But uh, it has a cinema drone built into it that has a top speed of 56 miles an hour. It can be deployed while driving, but in the video, if you pay attention, they are going pretty slow. I'm guessing it's under like 10 miles an hour or something. But when you're done filming, it will land, it will take the footage and offload it to your vehicle, which then can be edited and shared right from the touchscreen in the vehicle. In case that's something, if you're a filmmaker and you record your car a ton for no reason, because you drive through the mountains every day, uh, you can not have to remember your drone because you'll be able to just send it up in the air, click a button for dynamic, just follow me or whatever. Uh, it was kind of interesting in the video they have on their website. It it honestly looks like they're flying an FPV drone, but supposedly it's all car controlled. So it actually looks sick. If, if you were a filmmaker and for some reason, say you're a travel filmmaker, I guess, and you drove everywhere, could be awesome, but who knows what the range is going to be? Because it actually, I think, is a convertible, which means the aerodynamics are going to be absolute ass. So we'll see how that actually comes out. Um, we won't see a legal one of these soon, but they want to launch three new cars over the next three years, and that's it's kind of where Polestar's at. They do make awesome vehicles. I actually wish they were talked about more because they're actually a pretty cool company at the end of the day, but I don't see them in the news as much as I see like Rivian and Tesla and stuff. So I don't know, maybe they need a new CEO that's willing to just do random, sh random shit to get attention. You know, like fighting Vladimir Putin or whatever Elon's up to these days. 
We have Samsung back in the news again. These are in time order of when I saved them, not necessarily grouped in a very well-organized order. But this is basically the Note branding is, uh, it's officially dead. Samsung has killed that off and we'll be dropping that for the Ultra version. And the Ultra version will basically just be the Note series uh, without, the, without the name. It'll keep the pen, everything else. Uh, and it's just interesting because the original Note is was turning 10 years old this year, actually, because it's, or last year. When it turned 10 years old last year, I guess. Uh, the, the original release of the Note was October of 2011. And so it's sad to see a Titan die, but it's glad that it's not like goodbye forever. At least they're keeping the pen thing in some form. Our last thing is Tesla, who we have talked about quite a bit today. This is just kind of, this is actually like today news. They are raising prices. It turns out that in a time of war and right after a pandemic that things aren't cheap anymore. Therefore, they raised, most of their models went up by about 4 to 5%, but the Model X flew up nearly 10%. Now, entry-level Model 3 was expected to start at 35000 and while we're here, and I'm just sitting here, and we're talking about this entry-level Model 3, was supposed to start at 35000 uh, you can't get a used 2019 model for that. Those come at 38000 I actually don't even think they've hit that target price yet, to be entirely honest. But let's just let's just go to Model Three. We'll go order now, and let's see what a basic. We just want a rear-wheel drive Model Three. We don't want anything crazy, and just see purchase price. Uh, forty-six thousand basically is it's it's basically forty-seven thousand. Is the is the lowest? Oh, never mind, because that. Uh, that ain't it, Chief. Um, plus destination dock fee, you're going to be at about $48,490 for a Model 3. Delivery in July. So I think Tesla was actually on the way to hit this price. I think the current thing is unfortunate and is going to raise the price like it did. And <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll get back on track at some point, but for now... Uh, all of Tesla's vehicles are four to five percent higher. I think I saw that the Model Y now is starting at like sixty thousand, which is kind of crazy considering it's supposed to be a, you know, Model Three ish price. It's wildly higher than that. So unfortunate, but that's the way she goes. And that's it for this podcast. Uh, that's all the articles. This is. I want to do like maybe one or two of these a week. I'm too busy now to do them daily like I was. And instead, I just didn't do them, but was saving the articles. So then I had like 20 articles to go through, which is fine. But it just, now it's kind of like this. And I feel more like I'm just reading them off versus enjoying making a stupid podcast. Therefore, I'm going to try to do this twice a week from here on out, other than the vacation, not next week, but the week after. That'll start for two weeks, and then we'll be back. Let me know if you like the video version. I I'll continue it if we like it. Otherwise, on busier weeks, I'll drop it. We'll just do audio. It's available everywhere for audio. Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever you use, the podcast is there. Audio-wise, but video-wise, we'll stick to YouTube, be put on this channel. And again, bi-weekly, probably shoot for like a Saturday, Wednesday or something like that. Upload time schedule-ish thing. 
I feel like once a week when you're doing uh, just random things can end up being a lot of articles and kind of like some things could be a little more relevant sooner than later. Therefore, let's just let's just do that. Let's just do we're gonna shoot for bi-weekly, starting here on out. Other than again, those two weeks after this next week, and yeah, and then we're gonna try to upload more on this channel in general and actually make videos, uh, unlike I have been doing. Because it turns out, if you want to make YouTube videos, you have to, and I mean this, make YouTube videos. Wildly foreign concept, but one we're gonna try and make happen. So that is the plan. Anyways, let me know if you enjoyed this one. If you didn't, fuck off and I'll catch you guys in the next one. See ya.